The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. This is a continuation of our time this morning, and the title simply being, Let Jesus in Your Boat. Luke chapter number 5. Gospel of Luke chapter number 5. I know this is probably one of those most familiar, familiar stories in uh, all the Word of God, and it is a uh, sometimes the familiar passages that we look at all the time are those that uh, we really don't look at closely. And I've been trying here through the day to cause us to really focus in on what is taking place in this passage. Let me just introduce our text again tonight with this simple thought. When I studied the passage, I recognized that the Lord Jesus was teaching, but the passage wasn't focused on what he was teaching. He was teaching. We know in other passages in the gospel that Jesus Christ took the time uh, to tell us what he was teaching. And uh, we, through a Sermon on the Mount and other places, we're able to glean from the, the words of Jesus Christ concerning what he really wanted to drive home. But in this text, we have no idea what the message actually was. We don't know uh, what passage of Scripture Jesus turned to as he taught the Word of God. All we know is that there was, between Peter and the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, a working, a deep working, seeking for Peter to come alive to the reality of the surrendered life. And little by little, Jesus is prompting him, step by step, to yield his life to the Lord. Now, this morning, as we were going through the, the passage of Scripture, uh, and, and as you're there in Luke chapter number 5, we saw, first of all, I'm going to review really quickly, uh, that uh, Peter, in this call to surrender, uh, was challenged to yield his possession or his thing to the Lord. It was a little request. It was just, you know, something that you and I might look at and we're going, oh, that's not such a big deal. Jesus just is wanting to borrow the boat. He, all he's asking, he's not saying, give me your boat. He's saying, listen, would you thrust out a little? I would like to teach the Word of God, and I need to borrow your boat. And we see here Peter very engaged in doing one thing. He's no longer in the boat, according to the text. We saw it this morning. What was he doing, remember? He was cleaning his, his nets. And the Bible says specifically that he's on shore as he's cleaning these nets. Now, we know the whole story. We know that uh, he tried to fish all night. He didn't catch anything. Neither did his partners in the other boat. So you have uh, uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They're all from that community all of them, the Lord Jesus Christ really is focusing on, but in particular, Peter. And, and we recognize as we look at the text, it's not so much about what Jesus is teaching as much as it is about who Jesus is focusing on in this moment. And, and the person that Jesus is focusing on here is Peter. And he's simply desiring to find out uh, concerning Peter's spirit and heart in regard to the things that he possesses. And the truth that we tried to drive home this morning was simply, are our things available to our Savior? Are the things in our life that God blesses us with, have we made them available? Are they something here that he has access to? If he calls on us to allow that, to be used for His glory. And we really have to wrestle with that because that's one of those things that we saw this morning from the text uh, concerning just our, our giving uh, verses that uh, uh, long ago I looked at, tried to, uh, tried to memorize in my own heart, Luke chapter 16, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful with the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? So God's saying, listen, 
if I can't trust you with your things, if I can't trust you with your treasure, what makes you think I can trust you for something much more profound, much more uh, uh, deep, spiritual, spiritual riches? That's the heart issue here between Peter and the Lord Jesus. Jesus is just wanting to find out, Peter, what's really going on deep down in your heart? Where your treasure is, the Bible says, that's where your heart is also. And Jesus is just trying to get to the heart of the matter. He's just wanting to say, Peter, where are you? I just need to know. I I just want to know where you are right now because the potential uh, for what I have in store for you is so much greater than anything right now that you can ever comprehend. But I I need to see something. And what he needed to see was just a tenderness of heart so that he was willing to loan, lend his thing to the Lord, his ship, his vessel, for the Lord's use. So we saw Peter yielded his possession to Jesus. Guys, I have these right there in the slide, so let's just review them since I have them there so folks can see them real quick, all right? Number two, Peter yielded his preoccupations. All right, he yielded his preoccupations. Uh, these here, uh, again, in Luke chapter number 5, and let's just look at it real quickly. The Bible says in verse 2, And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. So these fishermen uh, that uh, were there by the seashore are preoccupied with really the, the, the everyday simple duties of life. How many of you uh, are already thinking about the week ahead and all the things that you've got to do? All right, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and we preoccupy ourselves so much with the things of this world that the truth is sometimes we don't have an awareness of the reality that Jesus is calling us out of that preoccupation to be with him. He's calling us away from just the mundane of just cleaning out a net and just coming to be with Him. And this is, in my heart, one of those things that I would have to confess. It's so easy for me to get so preoccupied with so many things that when the Lord calls and says, listen, I want you to to step aside a little bit. Uh, Some of us, you know, are a lot like, is it Martha? Martha? that was busy about so many things. And where's Mary? She's at the feet of Jesus. I find myself much more like Martha than Mary at times. And I just need to recognize that, listen, although I may be preoccupied, the reality is that God is wanting and desiring for our time of intimacy together. We saw that that, uh, the Lord was testing Peter in the area of not only his treasure, but also his time. Number three, we saw on the prerogatives. Jesus, uh, Peter yielded his prerogatives to Jesus. This, this was a matter of the will. Uh, you know, what he had the right as a man that worked all night to expect that when he's done with his chores, he gets to go home and sleep. You know, I, I used to work the second shift, and sometimes midnight came and the foreman said, hey, I need two more hours tonight. <laughs> two more hours. That's two o'clock in the morning. Uh, there was a time when I was just going through college, and, and I, I tried to do you know the, the stupid thing that lots of college uh, folks do there in Watertown, Wisconsin. Uh, I, I worked uh, the UPS job. I just did this for six weeks, so don't have pity on me. But I worked the UPS job from uh, four o'clock in the morning to eight o'clock in the morning, and this is right at the end of the school semester. And then I went quick to class. And then I got about two, three hours sleep. And then I drove all the way to Milwaukee, which was about 50 miles, 45 miles. Then I worked an eight-hour shift in the steel mill. Then I worked often an extra two hours. And so it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I won't get back to college till 3 o'clock, and I start working at 4 o'clock. And I tell you, there are times when you just say, I just want to sleep. I don't want to do this. I'm cleaning my nets. I I can see my bed. I've got visions of sleeping right now. 
And the Lord is telling me to thrust out a little bit. He wants me to get in this boat and thrust out with him and, and uh, uh, listen to his message to the people. That's exactly the picture that's painted. That Jesus calls them out and he says, listen, you've got the prerogative not to, not to thrust out a little. That's your prerogative. That's your liberty. Jesus doesn't force us. He asks us. And Peter had an opportunity to respond. You know, God doesn't force you to serve him. But it's so wonderful when we yield and he does use us. He doesn't force us here uh, to do his will. He gives us that opportunity, and we're going to see that in just a moment. But it was his prerogative. And what's the Lord testing? He's testing his will. He's, he's testing a submissive spirit. In, in college, I was just rehearsing again this week a song that I had never heard before I was in uh, the Madrigal Choir, and uh, it had to do with uh, Mrs. Cedarholm was a choir director way back then. That was our college president's wife, and it was just called Submission. The chorus went like this, Not what I wish to be, nor where I wish to go, for who am I that I should choose my way? The Lord shall choose for me. Tis better far I know, so let him bid me go or stay. That's a wonderful truth right from the Word of God. Let God make that decision. Yield to his will. Have a spirit. All of these points this morning had to do with Peter's spirit. What was his spirit? What was his heart? All right? So we have the prerogative, the yielding, the testing of the will. And the Bible says he did. So when Jesus climbs into the boat, verse number 3, and prayed him, didn't command him, he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Number four, we saw the... What is number four? There you go. Preconceptions that someone might have when they're struggling with, does God really know what I'm going through right now? Does, does God really understand? And we went through the whole thing of Jesus being the carpenter, uh, Peter being the expert fisherman, and uh, boy, can I trust him in this area? That's a profound question. And can I tell you, walking with God and trusting him when he calls you to yield to him in this particular area is going to build some confidence in our life that we can trust him with the next thing he asks us to do. I tell you, it was not a, a, an easy thing for myself, really, or Victoria, after 20 years of ministry in Fresno, to even contemplate pulling up roots and, uh, and, and, and just following the will of God. A few years later, we clearly understood what the will of God was, and that was coming to Simi Valley. You know, there is, there is something here where we all have our comfort zone, don't we? <laughs> what we're used to and uh, what makes sense to us. And what didn't make sense, in a, in, in, really in a nutshell, was, Pat, a, a God, I'm, I'm, you know, in my mid-50s, and, and you're wanting me to do what again? Uh, you're wanting me to start from scratch and go to a city and I don't know anybody. Uh, you know, the, the history of seeing God work in my life as I yielded to him developed the confidence in my life that God knows what he's doing. And although I can't, in my mind and logic, figure it all out, I couldn't tell you what was going to happen, how it was going to happen. All I knew is it was the will of God. And, uh, and, and he asks us just to uh, be sensitive here uh, to his will and also learn to just trust him. Number five, we saw Peter yielded his plans to Jesus. Whatever he was on his mind, was it, was it uh, uh, a big breakfast after working all night? Uh, was it uh, just kissing his wife? We saw that from Luke chapter 4. Uh, that uh, his wife's mother was sick, and so Jesus was already in the home. We know that Peter's married. So it, it, it's, it's an issue here of just uh, Peter's plans. Is he willing to allow God to have control over his schedule, over his plans? Is he just willing to let God be in charge? 
And what is Peter's spirit all in this moment? You say, Pastor, why is this so important for us to understand the spirit of Peter? Well, if we understand the spirit of Peter, we're going to understand why God used Peter in such a great way. You know, our uh, title here, somebody read it right on, on your flyer there. What's the title of the message? First page. All right, and then under that, is there something else? First, uh, all right, I just need to see it. Gwila, give it up. No, I don't want a handshake. I want your notes. <laughs> That's it. That's a title. Here, let me share with you what a title is. Titles are those big, bold things, you know, on the top of a page. That's what I needed. Thanks for the help, family. All right, really appreciate it. Peter's path to usefulness. I don't have your notes. I have my notes. But it is a path to usefulness. It is a path to being used by God. And it all begins with our spirit. It all begins with our attitude toward the little things that God asks us to do. You know, nobody's going to go and do the really big things that God really has for us if we're not really willing to do the little things He asks us to do. I mean, there's no way. We look at the great missionaries that are God's servants all over the world. You know what? They didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, I'm headed to the mission field. It was a lifelong, maybe through their youth, their childhood, their teen years, where they just said yes to God. And then God said, well, how about this? And they just said yes. And then God said, well, what about this? And they said yes. And then God said, well, how, where's your spirit on this thing? Yes. What do you think about uh, you know, your treasure or your things? God, I gladly give them up if you let me serve you. Uh, talk to me here just a little bit about all the preoccupations and things that you're doing. I'd gladly leave that behind if I get to be with you, if I can spend time with you, if I can be used by you. So the Spirit is so critical here to understanding what God ultimately is going to do. And little by little, what Peter is revealing through these couple of verses is that God... I will yield my life to you. My plans, my ambition, uh, my preoccupations, I, I will yield to you the things in life that you've blessed me with. They don't matter. What matters is that you've spoken, you've made a request. As the scripture tells us, you prayed him, requested of him, and I have no choice but to say yes. I want us to go to our notes here for this evening. And let's just dive in. And, and I, I trust that God will use here uh, this companion message now to understanding the spirit of Peter from this morning. All right, we're going to continue on. We only got to first couple of verses. So let's go to verse number, the end of verse number 4 and forward. So it went from thrusting out a little, asking to do a little thing, to now asking to do a big thing. Verse number four, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And we told you why that was a big thing in Peter's life. Um, approximately three miles to get back to the deep. From there, the Lake of Gennesaret, that was that northern part of the Lake of Galilee and uh, they're living there in Capernaum, and there they have been uh, fishermen probably their entire life, and there's a partnership that's now developed between uh, these two pairs of brothers, and, and, and life is going great. Matter of fact, um, uh, Peter's brother Andrew uh, was uh, really uh, spiritually aware as when he heard about the preaching of John the Baptist, became a, a disciple of John the Baptist. And Andrew was the one, by the way, that uh, presented Jesus here to Peter and just said, listen, I found him. I found the Messiah. So these brothers that are caught up in the, 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 the work world, uh, having a business thriving, God steps on the scene and God is looking at just one thing in Peter's life, and that is what is your attitude, what is your spirit concerning that which I ask of you. And boy, if we could ever develop this spirit, what we're going to see tonight uh, becomes a reality. When we can come to a place of absolute surrender to God, where there is nothing off limits, where we have not put our life already in a, a nice little uh, you know, compartment, 
and, and we've got it all figured out. And I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and this is how it's going to get done. Or if I've, I'm just absolutely open to what God wants to do with my life. I know sometimes we think that's a scary thing, but to be honest, it's the most exciting thing because God always shows up in some unbelievable ways as we just trust him and follow him. Point number one this evening for our message, I want us to look at this thought of a choice. A choice. He's yielded his plans. Verse number four, Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your net for a draught. Again, help me tonight. You're Peter. You're tired. You're hungry. All right? The Lord asked you to do a little thing, thrust out a little bit, and that's okay. But now, everything within your body as a fisherman is rebelling against what the Lord just asked you to do. I was just out there. I rode out. I rode back. I'm done. I'm cleaning the nets. I'm going home. That's the... That's the mindset of this Peter in this moment. And, and yet the Lord is, is asking a question. And uh, Peter is now having to make a decision. And he's going to make uh, a choice that really will dictate uh, a usability concerning his future life and ministry. Letter A in your notes is a choice involved a launching. There in verse 4, launch out. It's a request. Jesus is asking. It's voluntary. Jesus is not demanding. He's asking. Um, I've heard some preachers talk about how God called them to preach kicking and screaming and, and uh, you know, hanging onto the fence pole as God's got their feet yanking on him. And I tell you, you know, there, I look at that guy as back when I was a teenager, you know, there was a Vietnam War going on. And uh, then you got guys that were drafted in the military. Can I tell you, a lot of those guys were not real excited about going. And then there uh, were other times in our history uh, where not with a draft, it was an entire volunteer army. And what a difference between guys that just want to be there to uh, defend this nation and guys that are uh, uh, picked out kicking and screaming and when they find out they're running up to Canada or somewhere else to try to get away from an obligation. Uh, Listen, God wants us to learn to volunteer. He wants us to learn to be available. And, and, and Peter gets to make a choice here concerning uh, this launching out. A choice involved uh, in launching, a choice involved in letting, letting. This is also from the text, let down your nets for a draught. See, it's a request, but it's also a promise. Uh, the Lord is saying, listen, do this and this will happen. You know, you find that all through the Old Testament. You know, when the children of Israel were about to go into the promised land, uh, God made some astounding promises to Joshua and the people. And he said, listen, if you go, here's what I'm going to do. If you trust me, here's what I'm going to, I promise you I'm going to do. You know, Joshua reiterated some of those promises in Joshua chapter number 24. The promises that God made where God said, listen, I'm going to give you vineyards which you didn't plant and houses that you didn't build. Uh, those promises were sure. God said it, and it happened. And so here, although the Lord is, is asking, he's beseeching, he, he's, he's, he's desiring that uh, Peter would have a, 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 a right a willingness to launch out uh, there in the deep, we see that the choice also involved not just rowing out or using the sails to get out there, but also letting down the nets. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how many nets Peter had. I don't know how many nets the average boat had in Bible time. I do know there's at least two because it's plural. 
So there are let down the nets. But you know, if it's a net from a ship, you've got to think, how big are these nets going to be if a guy's standing in a ship and he's got to literally cast them out, all right, uh, to be able to bring in? So I know in our minds, we've got these pictures of these huge jumbo nets that they use in commercial fishing today. But I, I think it was probably something that was more like something a, a one person could handle. And so maybe uh, they had two or three or four or five. I don't know how many nets that boat had. But what I do know is God said, I just want you to put them all in the water, however many that is. I want you just to put them all in the water. I want you to think about this. You know, sometimes, although we make the choice to do, yes, even a hard thing, launch out, sometimes we hold back just a little bit from complete surrender and complete obedience. God knew what he was doing. By the way, do you suppose it was God that kept all the fish away the night before from Peter's net? Oh, you better believe it was. It wasn't an accident. That was, that was God's divine appointment. It was like God whispered to the schools of fish, I want you to go to the south end of the lake, all right? Far away. And as they fishing all night, here are the expert fishermen thinking, this is not normal. How do you not catch a fish with a net? You know, I, I, you, know you guys with the, you know, with the poles, I, you know, that's one thing. But with a net, how do you not catch a fish? And yet they did. All their nets were out. All their nets came back empty. And, and here Peter is being challenged not just to launch, but then to follow through with letting down the nets. I want to challenge you tonight, and I want to challenge myself tonight. You know, if... If a net represents in our own life all of the areas of God's prodding in our spirit, all the areas where God's saying, you know, you could, you could let me have that area of your life. You, you could yield that place, that, that thing. You could go ahead and... and uh, and throw that net down. I wonder if we could just get to the point where there would be absolutely nothing left in our life that we we're hanging on to inside our boat. But that we have come one by one, face to face, with the reality that God is so much grander and greater than I am, and His plans are so beyond my human comprehending that if He asks me to let down all my nets, who am I not to follow through? Peter kept some nets in the boat. Jesus said, let, let out your nets, and Peter let out a net, singular. And I know in my life there have been times where I've done the exact same thing, where God's saying, how, how, how much are you going to yield? How much do you trust me? Do you really believe me in that area? See, sometimes we can trust God in this area and this area, but boy, I can't really trust God in this one. Tonight, the lesson is God wants us to learn how to trust him in every area of our life. And there's no area in our life that we should not be willing to take that net and cast it, expecting God to fill it, because only he can. Letting. And launching. That's where we start tonight. That's the choice that God is seeking for us to make as his disciple. Number two, verse number five. Let's go on. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Hesitation. All right, Lord, I launched and... And uh, I'm partially obeying. Folks, partial obedience is disobedience. Jesus didn't say, net. Just, just go ahead and toss one over, Peter, see what happens. He did say specifically, nets. And he's desiring for Peter to have a, a, a greater faith. Can you imagine, if you, if you did not believe you were going to catch any fish, and you went out fishing, of course, 
you're not going to put all the nets out because your expectation is what? Same thing that happened all night long. (laughs) My expectation is I'm going home with no fish. So it makes sense that he only put out one net. And it really shows me that in my weakness, in my small faith, and may I say even in my mustard seed faith, God can do an amazing, amazing work. God is desiring here for Peter not just to have a right spirit, but now we're focusing on his follow-through. We're focusing on, okay, you've got that tender spirit, but now what are you going to do? Are you going to launch? Are you going to let down your net? Number two, we have the confession. And this is a humble thing for, for Peter to say. And remember, Peter's not the most humble man in all the New Testament. Matter of fact, I think the Holy Spirit allows Peter to be the instrument uh, of, of instruction concerning God resisting the proud and giving grace to the humble because Peter was probably the proudest of all 12 of those disciples. And God had to teach him. He had to humble him. Oh, it was Peter just before Jesus was to be crucified and he said oh these other men ah they'll forsake you they'll run they're chickens in their heart not me lord i'll die with you pride pride of old peter i'm better than all the rest and we see here that his pride in this area is giving way to humility And that truth is clear. God resists the proud, but he does give grace to the humble. You know, if you want grace, learn to humble yourself before God. And by the way, he's admitting this not just to the Lord, but to all those that are around him. That's a hard thing to do. Confess your faults one to another, the Bible says. It's a hard thing for us sometimes to respond to an invitation because we think, oh, what's somebody going to think about me? Who cares what somebody thinks about you? What does God want you to do? Confess your faults one to another. That's a Bible principle. Peter here was willing to say the hard thing in front of everybody. Matter of fact, in just a few moments, he's going to be flat on his face in a boat filled with fish, crying out, I'm a sinful man. Depart from me. That's a hard thing to do when others are watching you. And yet, it's a humble spirit. And we see here Peter's humility, the confession. Peter had a great resolve. Verse 5, what does it say? He toiled all night. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we've toiled all night. What, what, what a, a tremendous resolve. And, and let me tell you something. If we're not careful, we're going to try to accomplish God's work in our own power and our own strength. And we're going to see the same result that Peter saw. Empty nets. When when it's, I'm just going to stay out here until I catch a fish. If it takes me, all what? Night. And it did. Somehow I'm going to just barrel through this by my willpower. And God shows us how empty we can be without him. Reminds me of John 15, doesn't it? I am the vine, ye are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. And Peter's learning that. Peter's coming to that position. Peter's launching. Peter's letting down the net. But now you see a great confession. And, and by the way, this is action. Confession is action. There's many times that we're convicted and we don't confess. See, it's one thing to to recognize in our spirit that we're wrong. It's another thing to do something about it when we are. Just being convicted of something, folks, that's, that's, that's not where God wants us to stay. He's desiring for that conviction to bring forth repentance. He's desiring here for there to be a confession. Say the same thing about my sin that God says about my sin. And when I'm willing to do that, that 
action of repentance, that activity of repentance is a reflection of the spirit or attitude of the heart. The attitude was right this morning. Little by little, Jesus bringing him along. And his actions tonight, they're just as commendable where he's confessing. Peter had a great resolve, but Peter confesses here he had no real results. He had no real results. Hard for a fisherman to admit that. And sometimes it's hard for us Christians, especially in Christian leadership, to admit when we were wrong. I tell you, God just is looking for all of us to be tender. God's desiring for all of us to realize that uh, we need to humble ourselves before our God. And when we do, we'll no longer have a resisting, but we'll receive grace. And that's what we need more than anything else. So, a choice, a decision's made. Launch, let. A confession is made. Action. Not just conviction. Not just thinking about, oh, I should get that right with God. Not just letting it percolate there. Oh, boy, that was wrong. I really need to take care of that. But actually do it. Actually make the confession here to God. Get the slate clean. Come before God recognizing that His promise is sure, 1 John 1, 9. He is faithful and just to forgive us. But we have to confess. And that's the action here that Peter is taking. He's confessing the failure. And we see that he's confessing a lack of of fruit no results number three a consent go back to verse five and simon answering said unto him master we have toiled all the night and taken nothing that's the confession nevertheless at thy word i will let down the net he's consenting remember he's got a decision to make and now he's consenting he's saying listen i'm going to do it i'm going to follow through One of the most dangerous things that we can do is have God prick our heart in a church service. God convict us. We recognize that, boy, that's got to be taken care of. We walk out these back doors, and the next thing we know, Satan comes and snatches the seed right out of our heart, right out of our mind, and we go home, ball game's on, dinner's on, this need, that need, and we never take care of what God wanted us to take care of. That's one of the reasons why... We kind of encourage you to use that time after uh, a service to just, just take care of it. You say, Pastor, I, I don't bend as well as I used to. You know, you don't have to bend. You can stand or you can sit here. But you're publicly saying, listen, I, I, I'm not perfect. There are things that God does and challenges me with, and I, I need to confess that before God. I need to get that right and take care of it before you leave. Because Satan wants to be right there to make sure that you don't really follow through with what God was doing in your heart. A choice, a confession, a consent, a respect for the Word of God. Nevertheless, at thy word. Letter A, a respect for the Word of God. We dealt with that heavy this morning. That's what's needed. I mean, God said it. I can trust Him. God spoke and and, and can I believe what he said? You know, when God, through his word and his spirit, brings you to a place of convincement concerning a certain action or attitude, God's desiring for us to just respect the word of God and believe it. He said it. It's true. And all oh, that we also would regard the word of God, God's final authority, as the last word. I don't, I don't need to continue a, a, a proverbial argument here with God back and forth wrestling over something. He gets the last word. It's in His word. It is written. It's all I need. And God just saying, listen, do you, do you respect that? That I have asked you. Not, again, not commanded you. I've asked you. Are you willing to do that? A respect for the word, letter B, a readiness to do the will of God. 
also there, verse number 5, And Simon answering uh, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will. I will. Again, looking in the face of Jesus, saying, Okay, this is tough for me. You're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. You probably slept real sound last night. I didn't. I'm hungry. I'm spent. I'm exhausted. But I will. Because you asked me. It's it's all it ought to be. He just asks. And he's looking for someone to just say, I will. Jesus says, will you do this? I will. Will you trust me? I will. Will you believe me? I will. And his actions match his words. His work lines up with his work. So now we go to verse number 6, and we see here a casting. And when they had this done... So what's he doing? He let down the net. There is a casting. There's a taking of that net. And there's a throwing. And the Bible says it was done. He did it. Just like Jesus asked him to do. Now, of course, Jesus would prefer that he did what? Threw out a lot more. Go get all the nets. Get them all overboard. I've got something coming you just can't imagine. But you've got to get the net in the water. Just yield that area to the Lord. Just just absolutely say, God, I don't understand it. I can't see it. Why? Because nets are under the surface, right? You don't see what God's doing. You don't see here uh, that God's called back the fish from the south end of the lake. And, all right, make a beeline for Peter's nets. Because we're going to give him a payload like he's never experienced in his life. And boy, those fish... Ah, they just came, and they filled in unison into that net as many as could possibly wiggle in, and there's some calling out to each other, Move over! I want to get in there too. Make some room for me! Why? Because the Bible says the net was going to break. I I mean, there are just so many in that net that there was no room for any more. The casting. Peter's attitude, letter A, I will let down the net. We mentioned this. He's responding. He's responding in partial obedience. And and the Lord's going to help him with that. Again, I'm so glad that God doesn't require perfect faith. Because let me tell you, there are times when we stumble, don't we? I believe, Lord... Help thou mine unbelief. I want to trust you. I want to believe you for all the nets. I I, I want to, in in spite of what I know in my mind and what I uh, logically can can think through, I, I want to believe you. And here he is letting down this net. His attitude is... All right, I'm going to give the Lord an opportunity to show himself strong on our behalf. I'm going to give him an opportunity to show what he's able to do. That's all he wants. You know, if Peter was still on the seashore cleaning his nets or on his way home, headed to his bed, he would have missed out on all that God wanted to do. If he would have said, Ah, Lord, that that sounds really good, but, you know, I really got stuff I got to get to. None of this would have become a reality in Peter's life. But what Peter actually got to see was the miraculous in his personal life. Personally. Because he simply was surrendering the little areas in his life to a big God. And even with an imperfect faith, God's saying, well, I really wanted to do a lot more than I actually did. But he did, he did cast out. He did let down one net. And I'm, I'm just going to show him what I can do even with one net. 
the attitude, and then let her be the action. And when this was done, he followed through. Number five, a catching. Look at verse 6 and 7. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net. Again, singular, break. A catching, a catching. Peter's faith. I, I, I know in this moment, although, look back at Peter's life. He's already experienced the, the, the miracle power of Jesus coming into his home the previous chapter and doing what? Uh, healing his mother-in-law. All right? We always make jokes about, you know, the Catholic Church and, uh, you know, talking about Peter and, and uh, being a pope and, and, uh, and uh, not married. Well, here in the text, the Bible says he had a wife, the first, quote-unquote, pope, according to the Catholic Church, had a wife. All right? That'd be a terrible thing to have a mother-in-law without a wife, Right? All right, so you're, you, you kind of got that step, and then you got the other step. So the, the, the mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law, is the one that's healed. He has seen it. He has seen God's power on display. He saw the healing. I, I believe with Andrew being, I, I mean, such, such a tender heart to be a disciple of John the Baptist, you know that the family was probably very religious. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, Peter was on his pl- in his place in the synagogue on the Sabbath day hearing the word of God. And, and, and in that Sabbath, the Bible says that a demonic was, was healed in that Sabbath service and others started to come out from, from everywhere and Jesus touched their lives and Peter was exposed to that. So he knew the power of Jesus and, and, and yet in his personal faith, Although small, God honored it. And God brought a blessing bigger than anything he could have ever imagined. Peter's faith, and now we see the partners are following. Verse number 6, And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net break, and they beckoned onto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. It's just a marvelous picture of the goodness of God in showing himself strong if we would just have a little faith in a big God. It's astounding. You can just see these two little ships I mean, coming close to the water level, right? If, if a ship's about to sink, that thing is weighed down. I mean, it's right now, I don't know how much uh, leeway they had there on the sides before that ship. I mean, being flooded here, uh, not just with all the fish it had, but, but with water as well. Oh, the reality that the partners, uh, when they, there's others that are going to be able to benefit by the faith of Peter. What, what do you suppose Peter's going to do or those two families going to do with two boats filled with fishes? I mean, that's quite the haul. They're going to be the talk of the area. Wow, what awesome fishermen they are. And I'm sure Peter's going to be right there to say, you know, that wasn't me. <laughs> I, I, I tried the night before I came back with not even a sardine. That's the Lord. That's what he did. You know, all I did is he asked me to do these little things. He just said, trust me. Just, just trust me. Can I be in your boat? Thrust, thrust out a little bit. Can I, can I talk to the people and use your boat as a platform? Would you, would you come away from, from the nets for a little bit? I know you're really preoccupied there. Just, you know, all that picking and all your time being invested in your net and your boat and this and that. Where's your, where's your time, Peter, for me? Come on board. Trust, trust out a little bit. Let's spend some time together. Let me teach you. Let me help you. And as Peter yielded step by step, God says, boy, I've got something great in store for this man because he's learned simple submission to the will of God. And I tell you, God will never disappoint. If God leads us. God's going to provide. And so... We go from the actual catching of enough fish to fill two boats to number six, 
his personal crisis. Verse number eight. Now, put yourself again in Peter's spot. The, the lack of faith. Do you, do you think, uh, now hear me out here. Do you think that Jesus was not aware that Peter was just putting out one net when he asked specifically to put out the nets? Of course. Of course he knew. And, uh, and uh, I, I'm sure at this point Peter's saying, what? Why didn't I listen? Why didn't I just do what he asked me to do? Why was I so stubborn? Why, why was I so fearful? You know, I don't know why as Christians we're so afraid of the will of God for our lives. We're terrified somehow that it's not going to go the way we planned. Can I tell you something? God came into our life to dissolve the plans that we have for ourselves. Well, I had plans when I was growing up. I was in high school and I, I, I didn't plan to go to college. I didn't want to go. I didn't particularly like high school. <laughs> uh, it just wasn't, you know, what I really wanted to do. Uh, I was fascinated with where my dad worked, and I had two uncles that were both foremen there, worked for Inland Steel, and I thought, hey, that, that's, that really is something I think I want to I do. I tried it for summer. I really enjoyed it. Started working there, ultimately got on full-time. But the Lord had other plans. My uncle, being one of the foremen, said, Mark, they got, they got plans for you. They, they really want to kick you up into the offices. And, and uh, they, they, they would love for you to just plant yourself right here. Matter of fact, that last year that I was working there, I told them, I have to finish school. I, I just can't do this commuting thing back and forth between Watertown and Milwaukee. And they, 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 they actually said, Mark, uh, if it would help you to have somebody in the car with you to, when you're driving back and forth at 12 or 2 o'clock in the morning, you go to the campus and just pick somebody and we'll hire them on the spot. But we need you. I had already gone back to school. I, I had stopped working for two weeks. I gave my two-week notice. They called me back in, a, after just a, a week or two and said, we really want you here. What do we have to do to make it happen? And I said, I just, I'm just a little nervous about driving myself alone back and forth and back and forth. And uh, I, I just became Facebook friends with that partner in the car. And I, I, he was working a minimum wage job at that time, and this is probably five times the minimum wage. And I offered it to him, and he said, you're kidding me. I said, no. <laughs> he said, really? I said, yes. And, uh, and we were partners driving back and forth and back and forth. And in myself, I'm thinking, you know, that's a pretty good deal. Boy, they really want me. And they want me up in the offices. And my uncles who are foremen, they, they're thinking, boy, they've got some big plans. But you know, God had a bigger plan. And I'm just telling you, God's will is so much sweeter than anything we could ever imagine. Oh, in my mind, yeah, I could have figured it all out. Yeah, I'd be set for life. Be awesome. Wouldn't have some of the pressures. And yet, that was not what God had for me. And if we would just learn, as Peter did, to yield the blessings. All right, the crisis. Recognized his sinful condition. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. What's, what's Peter admitting here? He's admitting, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I'm, I'm reluctantly doing what God wants me to do. And, and, and when I do it, even reluctantly... God opens up the windows of heaven and blesses me in my imperfect faith in ways that I could never have imagined. And he falls before the creator God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and confesses and says, depart from me. Lord, you can't use me. You don't know what I'm really like. You don't know here the, the great sinfulness of my heart. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. He realized his sinful condition, but let her be. He received his master's comfort. 
What, a, what does Jesus say? Fear not. I'm going to make you. I'm going to transform you, Peter. I'm going to bring you along. I'm going to help you. I'm going to train you. Just follow me. And I will fit you for the job that I've asked you to do. You may at this point be looking at the job and you're saying, oh, there's no way. You're right, there isn't. But the wonder of the Christian walk is God fits us. He prepares us. He allows us here to little by little trust him and trust him and trust him and grow and maybe take two steps forward and one step back. But what God is doing is he's trying to uh, mold us and make us into the image of of the dear Savior. And, And God is in this moment looking upon a broken Peter that has simply said, depart from me from a sinful man. I'm not worthy, Lord. In verse 10, do you see it? Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. St. Peter, don't be afraid of the will of God for your life. Don't be afraid of your future. Don't be afraid of just trusting me. Don't be afraid of, of putting down all the nets when I ask you to. Don't be afraid of yielding your things, your treasure, your time, your schedule. Don't be afraid of that. Just trust me and see what I'm able to do in your life as you listen to the call of God and step by step follow him. Lastly, I want us to see the commission Verse number 11 and 12. And when they had brought their ships to the land, they forsook all and followed him. Letter A, they're commissioned here to forsake. See, Jesus told them, from henceforth thou shalt catch man. Matthew 4 Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Parallel passage. Just come along. Just trust me. Come my way. Listen to my voice. Do what I ask. Be in my will. And so they're commissioned to forsake. And the Bible says they forsook all. I want you to understand what that means. What was all that Peter had at that moment? He had a boat. What was in the boat? Nets. Nets. What else was in the boat? A whole bunch of fish. Can I tell you? Although maybe the average person from the outside looking at that boat filled with fish would have probably saw money signs, it meant absolutely nothing to Peter in that moment when he yielded his life to the Savior. He forsook it all. What would have been the catch of his life didn't mean anything. It's just fish. You stand before God. Peter, do you want to stand before God with just your fish? Is that what you want to present? When God called you to something else? The sad thing is there's multitudes of Christians that will never understand the very best that God has for them because they're simply not willing to take those little steps where the Holy Spirit comes and says, would you do this? Would you do that? Would you listen? Would you obey? Would you follow? And then gently God brings us along to where he finally has us to the point where he says, hey, how about just follow me? And Peter said, absolutely. I can trust you. You'll not fail. You comforted me with the words, fear not. You allowed my heart here to be at ease. They were commissioned to forsake and they were commissioned to follow. And here really begins that three-year journey of Jesus. Yes, ministering to the world, but you know, mostly ministering to those 12. 
putting into the lives of those apostles to be, those disciples, a heart for what it means to just believe God for the little things. Because as those little things grow, you're going to be able to trust God for the big things. I'm sure that wouldn't have, wasn't probably the easiest task that Peter was assigned when the Lord said, Pentecost, I need you to preach to the very people that crucified me and preach with boldness and filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, Peter, he preached and he laid it out before those that were a part of the crucifixion and gloriously 3,000 were swept into the gospel net. And Peter was on his path to fishing, not for fish, but for men. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.